ladies and gentlemen, What's up, Wildcats? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I am Adam Green, joined once again by Brett Barry. We are recording from the Vivid Seat studio, and Brett, we took a little time off, and in that time, I guess you could say nothing terrible happened for Arizona. In fact, for both football and now basketball, positive things have happened if we just ignore the St. John's loss, which happened since the last time we recorded. Yeah. Happy New Year, first of all. Yeah, yeah. Arizona sports are undefeated in 2020 so far. Are so we that, sure about that? Because no one's doing anything right now, right? Yeah, I, I, I think we're safe. Okay, good, good. We're, we are recording on, on New Year's Day. Yeah. And we're certainly not in a New Year's Day bowl game. <laughs> but, uh, <sighs> but yeah, I think uh, you know the year seemed to close out with a little bit of some positive momentum. Got some good news today even uh, in basketball recruiting with uh, Akinjo yeah. from Georgetown. I like how we were debating how to pronounce his name, and I said I was going to take care of it, and then you were the first one to drop his name. So we're going with Akinjo, right? Yeah. Well, now, now you, you if set it's the wrong, standard. That's now, it. now, if it's wrong, <laughs> you can blame me for once. Yes. <laughs> Trying to help you out. Appreciate that. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to start the new year. But, yeah, no, Arizona, we could talk about it right off the bat. The last time the Wildcats men's team was on the front, we could talk about the women's team, too. I got to see them play ASU last weekend. It was fun. Like, they're yeah, good. how was that? Like, it was... It was a really competitive game and entertaining, especially in the fourth quarter, like the second half, the fourth quarter. It was, to be fair, Arizona should have won by 15 to 20. They were that much better than ASU, but when you don't rebound and you miss a lot of layups, bad things tend to happen. But that's great. Adia Barnes is doing phenomenal work for them. Sean Miller's team, though. A few weeks ago, we would talk about them, about how they're... Final Four caliber, that they have a great offense. Everything was good. Like They needed to show up their defense, yeah, and their rebounding could be better, but they were very, very talented. You lose to Baylor. Okay, it's on the road, early start time. They're a ranked team. You lose to Gonzaga at home. It's like, well, they're num- they were number six in the, in the country at the time. Number one now. Yeah, it's like they're a really good team, and you can kind of, you don't excuse it, but those are forgivable losses yeah. for a young team. Then you go to the Bay Area and play St. John's, who was missing one of their best players, and you lose 70-67. to 67. You were, once again, down double digits in that game. It's, that's a bad loss, and that's the last time we saw this team on the floor. Yeah, I was, I was frustrated and actually texting our, uh, our friend Saul Bookman during the first half where I was you know, just bluntly opened up with the, is our team just soft? Because that's how they seemed in that first half. And it's not, I, and it's not necessarily. I think the team collectively is soft. I think that the young guys don't know that if you don't come out ready to ready for war, uh, you know, guys that are juniors and seniors, even at, at these small schools, they're they're amped up for the Arizona game. They're amped up for a game against a ranked team, mm-hmm. and they're going to come out and give you their best effort. And you can't let them, you know, punch you in the mouth and not fight back until the last five minutes of the first half or whatever it was when they kind of started to show a little bit of fight. Yeah, and then there's you know some there's some players on our roster that are you know the, the upperclassmen guys that you'd like to see have a little bit more toughness or a little more intelligence with shot selection, 
And it's just, I, I know Sean Miller was going off on shot selection for a couple games now, and it was a recurring issue there. And it's it's really funny to watch Sean Miller during during the game. He seems like he's, <laughs> for Sean Miller, in, on Sean Miller scale, calmed down a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, he used to be very regimented in offense. It seems like guys are taking a lot of shots that maybe they would have gotten yanked before. Um, but now you just see him, like, I think in that game, he, like, some people are taking, taking a jack and up a three with no passes within five seconds on the of the possession. Yeah. He just puts his hands out to the side and, you know, he's it, like, what do you what do you think is going to happen when that happens? But the argument last season when there were players who like Brandon Randolph, for instance, who would just have those rough games and he'd shoot four for 16 or something, you'd say, well, he has no one on the bench to turn to. So he has to let that happen because he has no choice. Mm-hmm. This year's team was supposed to be different. This year's team was supposed to have those options. And, of course, you have Nico Manning, who's a heady point guard. He knows what he's doing out there when he's taking some of those bad shots, too. It's questionable. But, like, in this game, of course, Dylan Smith was bad. Yeah. He, we, we, like, I like Anaheim Dylan Smith way better than San Francisco Dylan Smith. Hot take. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jamal Baker, he didn't make a shot. He made four free throws. That was it. Uh, Max Hazard made one of four three-pointers. So the shooting, and again, Arizona shot less than 40% for the game in this one, and they only made three of 16 three-pointers. Like, those are bad numbers, but those are numbers that we didn't expect to see. When they got off to this great start of the season, again, we kept talking about how gr- the offense, how good it was and how consistent it was, and we knew that they're going to be the nights where they don't shoot the ball 50%. They're not going to drop 80, 90 points on everybody. But to see how far the shooting has fallen, and the question is, like their defense has gotten a little bit better, I think. They're slowly getting better there, but they're not going to be a lockdown defensive team. It doesn't look like that. But where has the shooting gone? I think the answer to that, we've touched on it a few times in the last couple of weeks, a couple of podcasts, is it's the sh- it's really shot selection in my mind. Um, and you know, getting the ball to Zeke Nagy is always a good play play for them. Yeah, he had a really good game against St. John's. So the the thing that I think teams have also figured out with him though that he. If he can figure out is passing out of the double team, he he seems to really struggle with that for some reason. Compared to like you know, team, if we ever got the ball to DeAndre Ayton, he was w- really good at passing out of the double team. You know, we have they're clearly doubling Najee when he gets the ball in the post now, and it's it's just like he he struggles to figure out how to get get the ball out. I wonder if that's just because he's a, he's a freshman and there probably weren't that many guys double teaming him in high school that were. As big as the ones who are doing it now, like they're harder yeah. double teams, and he's got to learn. I would think, but yeah, I think there's. It, I think it's a not one issue that's impacting the offense right now. Partially, it's just like you know, sometimes they're taking good shots and they're just not falling. Yeah. Sometimes it's poor shot selection. Sometimes it's poor pass placement to the shooter. Um, sometimes it's you know they're not. I think we talked about it last time. I, I feel like they're running through the motions on their motion offense rather than looking to attack. And when they when the sh- jump shots aren't falling. They should be, you know, trying to see the ball go through the hole and draw fouls. Yeah. And it seems like they kind of realized that in the second half of all these games, and it's like, oh, right, the shots aren't falling. Maybe I should just go, you know, dunk the ball or try to get foul and get free throws. Because I think we, you know, that's how we've made our, you know, made our way back in all these losses was a lot of, you know, free throw shooting. Yeah. Well, this team, it's almost frustrating to watch sometimes, at least when they're losing. It's always frustrating to watch when they lose, but... They're capable of making these comebacks. These were games. There are three losses. They got down big. And each one of those games in the second, you're like, oh, they're, they're going to get run out of the gym here. And they don't. They're good enough to fight back. 
why are they bad enough to fall behind, right? Like you want to give a team credit for not quitting, but you also don't give a team credit for putting themselves in that situation. And that's where you have to wonder with them. And like, I'm not, I'm not down on them. I'm not looking at them and saying they're not going to make the tournament. Oh God, this team's terrible. They're not like, they're going to be fine. Yeah. Like I do believe that. And right now, as it stands, they're ranked 25th in the nation. So they, I think they dropped a couple. They were 24th last week, didn't play, dropped down, but they're still in the top 25 and who cares? Like, we all know that they need to get better. That this team, with all the freshmen, and that's, I guess, maybe the most disappointing. It's the upperclassmen who are struggling Mm -hmm. more. But this team has a really high ceiling. They're just not close to reaching it yet. And, again, the question will be all season long, will they? But when you look at them, they've lost three games. They had a chance to win every one of them. Even against St. John's, they came back in the second half and took the lead. Didn't last long. But... I want to give them credit for that because it is impressive. Like you think a team of freshmen like they have, or they might be more inclined to quit in a game. Like, you know what? It's just not happening tonight, but they fight Mm -hmm. and you have to be pleased with that. But again, you have to be disappointed in the fact that they've put themselves in the position where they needed to do that. Yeah. And that's where I think it's, it's some combination of a little softness from the upperclassmen and inexperience for the young guys. And like, you know, person that comes to mind for me in, in terms of softness that I, and it's hard because I really like him as a player, but boy, I'm really afraid for when we play Washington because their big guy, what is his name? Stewart or something like yeah, that. Isaiah Stewart. Like I watched some of their, when I was up in, I was actually in Washington for, uh, for the holidays and got to watch some of those games. Um, I think he's going to get, Chase Jr. is going to get eaten alive when we play Washington. Um, and like, what did he have? Like five points and three rebounds against St. John's. Like, you're a starting center, a senior. You need you need to be better than that. Otherwise, yeah. or or Christian Coloco needs more minutes. Like both of those things could be true. Coloco probably deserves more minutes, but he also offers something different than Chase Jeter. And I wonder, and Brett, what you think? Chase Jeter was so necessary for last year's team. What he could bring because he's a good offensive player. He's a steady defender. He's not great, but he's competent and generally consistent with what he can do you know what you can get out of chase jeter this year's team has offense it doesn't need a center who can get 12 points a night it could use a center that will score five but block three or four shots and grab more rebounds you mean christian coloco yeah but that but that's (laughs) the thing right like there's certain guys the fit for the team chase jeter was really necessary last year because we also when he went down with his injury an already barely average team just fell apart they were bad without him this team right now, it looks like if there wasn't a Chase Jeter, if it was Coloco, they'd be, at the very least, fine. Mm-hmm. If not, maybe better off with what Coloco could bring. Now, again, we say this to Coloco, limited court time for him. He is a true freshman. He's going to have his moments of good play and bad play, but he does bring something different to the table. Well, and I think the thing that Coloco also has is just sheer raw athleticism that enables him to kind of grow into a role a little more than Chase Jeter is what he is, right? Yeah. He's a nice player. He's a finesse center. He's got good post moves, um, you know, fundamentally sound in general, but boy, you get, you know, like a junkyard dog team like Baylor is coming out after, and he's he's going to struggle. Uh, Isaiah Stewart's going to, he's going to go off for 30 points against us. I can, <laughs> I can already t- tell, but, you know, it's kind of like a, a put up or shut up time, I think, for him. Um, because Coloco's there and ready for some more time, and you know when we get Stone Gettings back, maybe you go 
go a small, you know, you go a smaller lineup with with uh, Stone Gettings when he comes back after his face isn't broken. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe they missed him actually these last few games, the losses, and I don't think they were a Stone Gettings away from winning all three of those games. But he does bring something else to the team. He is a big guy. He's not he's not your banger like you're talking about. But he can shoot the three, and he's 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 pretty good. No, he's another you, option down low. You could have him out at the three-point line posting up Zeke Naji, and even if the double team comes, he can make them pay for yeah. that. Right. Chase Jeter's not hitting hitting any three-pointers. He's not hitting a jumper outside of five feet. Um, but the the other upperclassman that I've been was really f- just frustrated with, and I don't. He's just maybe he's just out of sorts or something. But Hazard looked not good. <laughs> yeah. I, I think he hit that one big three that to actually take the lead. Take the lead. I think that was his, maybe his only his only ba- basket, and he had you know four fouls or something too coming off the bench, and it's just you know you need him to be your instant offense. I think I was like hoping that he would be like the Eddie House in the NBA player, where he just kind of comes in, gets you some offense, makes some smart plays, and he just he's just not there, and maybe his confidence is shaken or. Which shouldn't be the case for the upperclassmen, and it's a different role for him coming off the bench for this team, but also you'd expect an upperclassman to be able to handle that. Yeah. That's why he's here. Like, he didn't go to Arizona thinking he was going to start. <laughs> he went to Arizona because he wanted to play for a good program and have a chance to go deep in the tournament. And, yeah, he's one of the shooters on this team, and that's... I asked earlier what happened to the shooting, right? For some of these guys that Arizona's relying on, like, there's going to be games where Nico Mannion struggles struggles to shoot the ball. That happens. And he impacts the game in other ways. That's fine. Dylan Smith is not someone you can rely on, but he has his good games and his bad games. But you need more of these guys to at least have some good games. Like, Max Hazard hasn't made much of an impact yet this season. Not to say he won't, because you just know he's going to have that game where he makes two, three, four, three-pointers. And yeah, you're like, okay. Totally. You know, like some of those Gabe York games that happened back in the day when it's like, yep, he's hot. He's that's the guy you want the ball in his hands. Though when you say Gabe York, I immediately think of him trying to dunk over guys and come up six inches short every time. I can relate to that. <laughs> he, did that he just did that like every game. <laughs> but they just the shooting hasn't been there, and maybe that's why, and I mean, not maybe, it is why you focus so much on defense and rebounding, the things that travel everywhere you go. You're going to have off-shooting nights. Can you win in spite of them? And this team... They've been competitive, even when they've been playing bad. And again, St. John's isn't a good loss. St. John's is an okay team. Arizona needs to win that game. Yeah. You know, if we wind up the silver lining against Baylor, that's fine. Road, like earlier, road start, you know, it was just bad. But they were competitive. They gave it a run. Gonzaga is a better team. They were competitive. They gave it a run. You can't say that with the St. John's loss. That, the good news is those two weeks between that mm-hmm. game and the next time Arizona's going to take the floor against ASU in Tucson. And, like, one, you're getting Stone Gettings back, so that'll be good. But, two, you've got to imagine Miller's been on them for these couple of weeks. Like, oh, yeah. The season's not over, far from it. But maybe the break was a good thing for them, a good timing to get healthy, to rest up, and work on some things that clearly need to be worked on. Yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, Especially for some of these guys. I mean, they're all young, realistically. They're all under, you know, 22 years old or whatever. Maybe Chase Jeter might be 23 because he redshirted. But, you know, they're still they're still young. And they maybe the lessons don't land when you're losing to top 10 teams as much as when you lose to a team you should beat. Well, now you've lost three out of four. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I th- I think the break came at a good time. I think coming back with your rival at home, you know, if you come out, soft in this game then 
it's then it's <laughs> then it's a then it's a then it's a personnel problem, yeah. right? Um, if you're not going to be jacked up for this game as an Arizona Wildcat, you know, I then realistically, I kind of don't think you should be getting that many minutes. Um, but we'll see how it how it plays out. I'm also curious to see how Sean Miller kind of adjusts. I mean, we saw we saw him in the last couple of games throughout a couple rounds of zone little defense, zone, yeah, it's kind of pain a, him which is so a, much, which is a sign of desperation that frightens me. Well, yeah, but how many people cry for it? It's like just because you're running a zone doesn't mean it's going to be any better, especially if you're not good at it. Well, <laughs> if they're going to run a zone, I'd rather they ran a spread out two three with Coloco in the middle, just protecting the basket. Yeah. Um, not like a, I think they did like a one, two, two kind of zone. Um, but the thing I'm most intrigued to see, I, the defense has still been inconsistent. The offense has really been almost what's struggling more in terms of shot selection, lack of aggression going to the hoop. And one thing, you know, if you think about all the years of Sean Miller teams in Arizona, they don't run that many set plays that are like attacking or trying to specifically get a player a shot in a moment. They just kind of let the offense flow. Yeah. I personally would like to see them try to be like, we are going to get Max Hazard going and we're going to do, you know, some set double screen plays to get him a shot as soon as he comes in the game or run it three times and hope that, you know, make sure he makes one of them. Yeah. Um, do things where you're not just kind of going through the motions and then, because it seems like we're either jacking up a shot in the first five seconds of the possession with maybe one pass or we're running through the, you know, running through the motions of the motion offense and then go, ah, crap, there's five <laughs> seconds left. Let's uh, figure something out. And we end up jacking up a long, yeah. a long shot. Um, and then the third option is we get the ball to Zeke Nagy and things generally are better. <laughs> generally. Yeah. As long as they don't bring the double team. But you know, <laughs> if I'm Sean Miller, I'm going to, I want to, I want to do that. I want to make these guys be aggressive. Make them, you know, take shots where you're going towards the basket, not stepping away from it, or side, you know, taking a, a fadeaway jumper, or doing a sidestep step back three as the shot clock expires. I want to see them getting to the basket early. I want to see them taking it to ASU. Yeah. No, of course. You, but I, another thing that'll help is Nico Mannion making his shots again. Yeah. He, he got that. He got a little banged up against Baylor. He hasn't been quite the same since then. Um, like that would help. He's the point guard. He's one of their leading scorers, and when he's on, it makes everything that much better. And he hasn't been on. But he should be taking threes off of kickouts from Zeke Naji rather than starting a possession. His shots. He's take when his jump shots not falling. He should be trying to drive drive to the hoop and get get fouled. Yeah, and that's maybe he's he's an aggressive freshman. Like he's confident. He hasn't lost that confidence ever, which is good. He needs to mm-hmm. stay confident. But, yeah, it's just another one of those guys not making enough shots. And I think they'll be fine. Yeah. Like, unlike last season when they started to kind of fall apart, you watch them like, well, yeah, that makes sense. You know, Brandon Randolph hasn't proven to be that good before, and Jeter's hurt, and the depth isn't there, and this not a great basketball team. I don't have that impression with this one. It's like, yeah, they've lost three out of four games with the only one in Nebraska-Omaha. Like, not a great victory by any stretch. But I don't worry about them falling off the face of the earth here. I don't worry about them right. tumbling to the middle, to the bottom of the Pac-12, and struggling the rest of the season. Like, they have work to do. They're not clear-cut the best team in the conference. Like, no way. They have to prove more. And it starts with the game against ASU when they open up conference play. But like, they still have the ingredients. 
can yeah. be a really good team, but they have things to work on. And that's where you hope these last couple of weeks where they haven't played a game have allowed Sean Miller to really hammer that home. And these guys, to, they have to get healthy, the little injuries that they were dealing with. But just really understand that, yeah, if you don't rebound the ball better, if you don't play aggressive defense for 40 minutes, you could lose to anybody. Because mm-hmm. like you were saying, like maybe it doesn't set as much when it's like, oh, you lost to Gonzaga. Well, it's Gonzaga. They're really good. So why wouldn't you lose to them? But when you lose to St. John's, that should send the message. And it's better to have that loss now than in conference play or certainly in postseason. <laughs> but maybe in – I would rather they have won that game, of course. Right. But if there was ever a time for a loss like that, St. John's, it doesn't end their season. It just makes you feel kind of bad about them for a couple of weeks until the next time they get on the court and look good. Yeah. And I, th- I think I'm still of the belief that if they play their, their game to their best of their abilities, they can beat anybody. Yeah, I agree. They're just there's, – there's no consistency that we've seen throughout the season. Even when they were destroying people, there were still guys having bad games when they were destroying, you know, these cupcakes on their schedule early in the season, right? Yeah. Um. And right now we have like maybe one, one or two people playing a decent game like Zeke Naji, and everybody else is struggling. And it's you're still competitive in those games, but you're going to lose games if you if you've only got one guy that's even playing, you know, slightly above average. Yeah, but this team was supposed to have the options. And yes, if you listen to me on this show, and if you're listening now, I assume you have listened to me. I was really excited about the depth and how many people they had that could shoot because it's like you figured. Not everyone's going to be on, but they're going to have enough players have a good game to get by. Yeah. And I guess to your point, they've been close in these games, even when they haven't had those. So they're, they're still really talented. And it's hard to say that now after a loss, especially a bad loss, but they're not, they're not the level of the best teams that we've seen, especially early on from Arizona. But they're certainly not one of the lesser teams either. Like, this is a good basketball team. It's pretty well put together, but they still have to find their roles. And I wouldn't be shocked if we see more Coloco going forward. Like, these last couple of weeks probably did a really good job of just getting him more up to speed because he's still so raw. But, like, that's up to Sean Miller to figure out how to get the most out of this squad. And that might be it. Like, I like Chase Jeter. I think he has a role. But maybe this team needs that big center who can just block some shots and rebound and be active out there. just brings a different skill set. There will be games where Chase Jeter comes off the bench or where he has a big game, and you're like, okay, he really saved Arizona that night. But the way the roster's looking right now, that's a move I wouldn't mind seeing. Well, the interesting thing, if Coloco gets in there, I'm just operating under the assumption he's going to block four shots a game because it seems like if he, if he plays <laughs> like 20 minutes, he's, he's getting like you know three blocks in five minutes of game time. The thing is, too, that I think that might, you know, our roster... If even if the jump shots aren't falling, we got the horses that just want to get out and run, like the Josh yeah. Greens, you know, Nico Mannion. Like blocked shots can create a lot of uh, opportunities in transition, where you know we can get some easy buckets, we can get the game going at a higher speed. It seems like our our current roster seems to struggle once we get a little bogged down. Well, that's um, where your shooters need to come in too. Yeah, and and that's where shot selection starts to yeah. become a little more questionable. And that it's a lot easier to choose the right shot on a fast break. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to those three-second possessions of Josh Green dunking on guys. Yeah, that, that's good offense. Effective offense. Do that more. <laughs> are you listening, Coach Miller? <laughs> but, yeah, I, th- I, think, I think those opportunities are going to be there. I think I'm really curious to see what adjustments that, that Sean Miller makes because I think there are some that he can make and he can be justified in doing it. And 
you know, like I said, where he put his hands up in the game, like, what do you think was going to happen? He can point to some of the outcomes and be like, you know, if guys aren't getting minutes, be like, you know, what do you think was going to happen? If you're not producing, there are guys that are ready to play. So that That's the hope, right? And that's the belief in this team. Now their next game is against ASU. You called ASU their rival earlier in the show, and I don't know if I believe that in basketball. I, I don't know. Like, it's not them, then who, though? UCLA? UCLA. Uh, Oregon lately. They've had some Gonzaga. really intense games. Like Gonzaga right now. It was Miller after that game. He's like, we may have to stop scheduling them if we don't beat them anymore. <laughs> Utah and Colorado both think they're our rivals. Utah really wants a rival in any sport. Like, they're trying to find rivals. It's like, no one cares about you. It's fine. Go just do your thing. But ASU's coming to Tucson to open up Pac-12 play. They actually get both ASU games within a month and within a few weeks. Yeah. Like they knocked them out of the schedule pretty early. ASU is 9-4. and four. They're not great this season. This is an ASU team that lost to St. Mary's by 40. Ouch. Where they had, like... Was Remy at, Martin didn't score a point in that game. Was that at home too, or was that it was at uh, the the Suns Arena? I oh, think. so I forget what they call it now. Neutral site. Yeah, yeah. For our listeners, I had very big sarcastic air quotes. Yeah. So no, that sarcasm font was on. <laughs> Guard U has been inconsistent in Tempe this season. They're just they're not great. Like, yeah. This is a game that Arizona, again, should win, especially at home against a team that's not as good as they are. But we all saw what Remy Martin did to them last season. Hopefully that doesn't happen again. <laughs> I, I don't see that happening because I think our guard play, either through competitiveness or upgraded athleticism, I think can handle Remy Martin because he's kind of just like a jitterbug out there and he looks like he goes faster with his hair flopping around. <laughs> um but, you know, it's, I think, I mean, Nico Mannion lived here before he going to U of A, right? He knows, he, he, he grew up here. He knows how the rivalry is. He'll be, he'll be amped up and no, no ginger joke intended, but he's going to be playing with his hair on fire. You'd think. You know, and it, you could put, jo- I mean, you, I, I still think Josh Green is the only true good, like legit defender we have on the wing. Um, you could put him on, you know, rotate him on guys as they're coming in. I, I still like Baker as a fundamental defender. I think he can handle Remy Martin. And, like, it's not like Remy Martin is somebody you need a game plan around. You just need to not have him hit Score 90. 35 points yeah, and well, he was every shot imaginable. Yeah, he was making everything, you know, last year. The, I think the the big question is going to be, is, is there any news on Romello, Romello White? White? Yeah. yeah, I know he sprained his ankle against the Texas Southern ASU's last game. I haven't seen anything about whether he's going to play. And if he doesn't, then, oh, boy. I mean, he's not a great player, but he is a competent big man. Yeah. Well, and, and he's somebody that goes and gets rebounds and can block a couple shots, right? And mm-hmm. he's, not, he's, not, he's not going to be the guy that wins the game for them, but he can be a valuable contributor. Without him, ASU, against a team like Arizona with a Zeke Naji, with Jeter, with their ability to... You should, you, know, you, should be, you should be, if you go out, of, if you don't get a score in transition, you should be pounding the ball down low all game. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and you challenge them to stop Zeke Naji. They shouldn't be able to. <laughs> well, we'll see how Zeke has learned to deal with double teams because I'm and sure the, that's coming. And that's the interesting thing, too, is that in the time since Arizona last played a game, ASU, they played last weekend. That's when they lost Romello White. 
Are you worried about any rust with Arizona for these couple weeks off? Like, I, don't, I don't think you can be worried about rust when we were shooting so terribly for the last four games. Reasonable. <laughs> but I, and that's the thing. Like Miller schedules this break for a reason. He likes to have that time off between conference play starting. And I think we talked about it earlier. The timing was good Yeah. for where they were at with their health and just where the team is at probably mentally. This was a good time to have that break. And you'd like to think they'll come out ready and focused to win this game. Never mind the fact that it's a rivalry game. There's me using air quotes because I really don't see ASU as the basketball rival. But certainly it's the type of game where now they really start to matter. If you want to win the Pac-12, you have to win your Pac-12 games, and you certainly need to beat the teams at home. Yep. You know, this isn't Oregon. This isn't Washington. This is a team like ASU is probably, I forget where they were picked to finish in the Pac-12, but they're going to be middle of the road. Yeah. They're going to probably be five, six, seventh in the Pac-12. They're not a great basketball team. They're flawed. They do have a couple of talented players. Alonzo Verge, one of their new guys this season. They got Jalen House, Eddie House's kid. Like, there's, they're not as bad as they used to be, but they're also not better than Arizona like they were last season. Like, Arizona's yeah. the better team in this game more well-rounded, and they're at home. Arizona should win this game, I would think, fairly comfortably. Yeah, more, more well-rounded, more, more talented, and deeper. But it's, you know, an ASU-U of A game, so anything can happen. Yes. One would presume that the, the home court advantage in Tucson should, should play a factor. Um, and to your point of, like, worrying about the rust, like, I think it's much more likely that this is an cha- opportunity to get unstuck because I think they've been kind of in a, you know, locked up mentally in a little bit. And, like, even in the St. John's game when guys aren't seeing shots fall, like, they don't want to be aggressive. They don't want to shoot the ball because they don't want to yeah. miss again, right? You know, I know Nico, there were some people posting on Twitter where he, after the one, after, was it the uh, Gonzaga loss? Oh, that he was out in the gym he, shooting. And... He stayed for another, like, two hours to shoot. And, you know, <laughs> we know that they're capable of making those shots. Yeah. And I think in a weird way, it's, it was, it's almost like this, it's this mental block that they have about them. It's almost like a, it's instead of a writer's block, it's like a scorer's block. There's no reason why why Arizona shouldn't win this game and somewhat comfortably. I agree with that. Now, but we're not going to the game. We don't have tickets because we did not use Vivid Seats to get any. Ugh. But Vivid Seats, it's your best place to go to get tickets for pretty much anything. Sporting events, concerts, shows, anything you need, it's going to be there through Vivid Seats. Uh, you can download their app from whatever phone device you have, whether it's an Android, an iPhone, if there's any other type of phone out there that I don't think there is. But if there was could get the app for that too and when you do go with vivid seats and download the app you'll be signed up for their rewards program automatically which is great because who doesn't like rewards i love rewards i thought you did <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and when your, your tickets your purchases are gonna be 100 guaranteed so you don't have to worry about the tickets not coming through or something being off there nothing shady at all it's going to be easy to work with easy to use and hey if you enter a promo code overtime at checkout you could get a hundred dollars off your purchase so that's vivid seats the app is free. Download it from the iTunes store or from the Android store, whatever store you need to download it from, and get tickets to your game. Maybe you can find some for Saturday in Tucson, or there's going to be plenty of other games and shows that you'll want to go to. So it's Vivid Seats. Check it out. Now let's get back to stuff that I'm pretty good at. Okay, well, we figured <laughs> out what that is. James Akinjo. Yeah. That Arizona picked up the Georgetown transfer. He played a few games this season, then he's like, I don't want to be here anymore. I know there was some interesting stories there from the, just the program in general, but he's a guy that chose Georgetown over Arizona a couple of years ago, kind of like Jordan Brown. It's very yep. similar to that, where it's like Arizona wanted them. They probably should have gone to Arizona. They went somewhere else like, oh, this isn't very good, and they eventually end up where they should have been all along. It's a good pickup. 
Absolutely. And I, I think he'll be eligible to play most of next season because he's basically sitting out this one. And I th- yeah, and I think I think he can even appeal to try to get the whole, you know, if he only played in so many games. But, you know, worst case scenario, I think it's, I forget when he entered the portal. I want to say it was in like November. Yeah. So if he misses a few early non-conference games, the cream puffs, then it's not the end of the world for him. Well, you know, it's an interesting thing. I, and I, I don't know this for sure. Uh, I believe once he, now that he's committed and once he comes and gets enrolled, I think he can actually come and start practicing with the team. Yeah. Which. Huge. That, you know, that's a non-zero factor, especially like if he's playing against Nico Mannion, a, a, you know, a true freshman in practice every day and brings, you know, brings some of that East Coast toughness that maybe sometimes is lacking on the West Coast, you know, after, after spending some time in Georgetown. I think. I think he could have an impact on this year's team just by that and, you know, kind of that experience in practice. Well, and it kind of, he's not TJ McConnell, but McConnell was with Arizona for an entire year practicing when he was doing his redshirt year sitting out from Duquesne, and he came in just ready to roll when yeah. he was the starting point guard when he was eligible to play again. And they're obviously different types of players. Akinjo's more of a scorer. He averaged 13 and a half points, five assists, and a steal a game in his 40 career games. Not a great shooter necessarily, but obviously he's still so young. But if nothing else, next year's team is now we start to see it take a little bit more shape. There's going to be a lot of interesting things that happen with this year's roster. Who's going to come back for a second season? You know, maybe some of the stars. But we don't know. But now, like, Akinjo's going to be there. Jordan Brown's going to be there. Like, these are big gets for them, just for that continuity. And to your point, he's going to be practicing with them all this season. And said it earlier in the sh- before we did the show that you're now also not reliant on Brandon Williams coming back next season. Right. And hopefully his recovery, he can get back on the floor because he's a dynamic player. But in terms of building this roster, you now have a point guard for next season. Which is huge. Which you may not have had. Like, there was still recruiting to be done, but you didn't have one. Now you do. Well, and the, the point guard class, you know, based on the recruiting experts in the West is not great for next year. So yeah. being able to have him come and step in and fill that role. Like there's some guys the year year or two after I know that Sean Miller's been recruiting that are you know pretty highly regarded point guards, but I don't think Sean Miller wants to go another year without a without a great point guard. No, I, I think he's learned that lesson. And yeah, former Big East freshman of the year, Kid Joe, he was a good player last year for Georgetown. He's yeah. talented, and yes, he probably should have come to Arizona originally, but all is forgiven. Like I'll welcome him with open arms to this program. I'm sure you oh, feel absolutely. the same. But it, it helps. And we don't know what next year's team's going to look like. And obviously, there's still this season to to worry about. Like, this season isn't done. I think there could be some special things down the road. But it makes you feel better. Because they got Terry coming in. But that was it. They're only recruitment. The only freshman that they have. So so far. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be more. Like, but they're in on Zaire Williams. Williamson, yeah, yeah. No, he's he's good, too. Yeah, like, they're, 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 they've got a pretty good shot at him, a couple other guys. There's the... The shooter from Minnesota, I forget uh, Walton? his name. I, I, I forget. Something like that. Yeah, no, they're yeah. in on guys. And, but this is just another step that shows that, hey, Arizona is fine. Like, these guys are coming because they, they believe in Sean Miller and they want to come play for this program. And once we got this recruiting class in, once we saw what happened here with Nico Mannion, Josh Green, Zeke Naji, Coloco, it's like, okay, Arizona's fine. They can recruit again. But it seems like the brand hasn't died. At some point, you need to start winning. And uh, there's legitimate questions about Miller's in-game coaching, and that's fine. But he can still recruit. Players still want to come play for him. And that's important as all get-up. Like You need good players to win in college basketball, and this is just another good player choosing Arizona. He could have gone other places, too. 
I mean, he was at Georgetown. That's a pretty good program. But when he was transferred, he could have gone to, I don't know who all was in on him, but he chose Arizona. That means something for where this program is. And it's a place where a year ago, two years ago, we didn't know. <laughs> but it seems like, and now you get him, maybe some of those other recruits that they're in on, some of those guys that they're still after. Look at it, Arizona be like, okay, like there's a point guard there. I know who I'm going to be playing with. And it's okay to go to Arizona. The worry is still going to be whatever sanctions, if they ever come from the NCAA. But the, it's weird because the longer it doesn't happen, the more you think it won't. Like the notice of allegations and all that stuff. Like, yeah. what are they waiting for if well, there's something there? Well, and it's like, what is the there that they're going to go after, right? Yeah. Like, is it just going to be a situation where it's institutional control book? That, who knows, right? But, the, but that, that is seemingly hanging over the program like a dark cloud, and yet here's a ray of sunshine in Akinjo no. choosing Arizona. You have Terry choosing them, and there's all these top recruits who are very interested in Arizona. So it's like... Maybe for us, we talk about, oh, geez, what happens if sanctions? What, what's going to happen? Are they going to lose scholarships? Is Miller going to be suspended? Are we a postseason ban? These players don't seem to be too worried. And at some point, I guess it's almost unfair. Like You can't, you can't disprove the negative. Yeah. Just because sanctions haven't happened doesn't mean they won't happen. And yet, as long as the pos- until they don't happen, you always wonder if they will. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like no, that I, pretzel I just tied myself into I, with that, on that word salad. Was it good? If Digestible? <laughs> I honestly don't know if the words you said made sense, but I know what the point is you're trying to make. <laughs> good, good. That, that's, that's what we're going for here on Wildcat Radio 2.0. But that, that's what I'm saying. Like right now, like the NCAA is going to come out and say, Arizona, you're fine. That's not going to happen. They're not going to say, we will not do this to you. Right. All that can happen is they don't do it. And I don't know at what point people could say, no, nope, it hasn't happened by now. Arizona is in the clear. Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody knows. Yeah, but the players don't seem to be too concerned. Yeah, and the, and then you hear all the recruits and players that come to the roster or come to the team that they say that the coach is very honest with them, explain the whole situation, and you know, I mean, it's not like Arizona is the only school out there that had had their name no, but about some are some have already gotten their notice of allegations well, and all that. Arizona hasn't. Some of, well, and some of them. The DeAndre Ayton ESPN story was proven to not be particularly accurate. My understanding is that DeAndre Ayton got cleared by the NCAA to yeah. play. So other guys didn't get cleared, played, and then stopped playing. We talked playing. about Bill Self's text messages yeah. maybe for a little bit. Anybody want to talk about Kansas <laughs> and all this? Like, no, okay, sorry, ESPN. Just thought we'd ask. Yeah, so, I mean, be that be that as it may, it's, it's one of those things where I think at this point, until there's something, then we, we operate how we're going to operate. And right. the, the beauty of... The you know Jordan Brown and Akinjo coming in, you know in the modern day college basketball world, and I think our our roster this year is is, is kind of an emblematic of NCAA basketball these days. There's a lot more disparity from, you know when when we were growing up, uh, the you know number the top five teams were considerably better than the number twenty team. Yeah, and the number twenty team was considerably better than the number fifty team in general. The delta between one and 20 and 20 and 50 and even 50 and 90 in modern day basketball is not nearly as much Mm -hmm. because of talent is spread around a little bit more, but also the most talented teams are overhauling their roster every year. Yeah. The the beauty of having those transfers that are in here, red shirting, like traditional transfers, they're in there in practice. They're getting to learn the systems. They're getting to learn what the coaches want. So you're going to have Jordan Brown and Akinjo ready to go. You're going to have Ira Lee back. You're going to have Coloco back. You're going to have Jamal Baker back. You know, you're going to have 
some like guys that know the system. It's it, a new team, but it'll be experienced. Yeah, like you're probably you're you may not have four freshmen playing minutes like you do this year, and three who are you know maybe our highest minute players on this roster. You might have one freshman that's playing you know top three minutes, and that's a different kind of roster composition. Yeah, and that, the the thing in college basketball with that you know notion across the country, especially with the blue blood programs, they're usually better in March than they are in. November mm-hmm. or December, right? And that's what we were hoping for with this year's roster. Next year's roster might be a more of a known quantity and look better early on, but not grow as much. Yeah, and I guess unlike Jordan Brown didn't do much for Nevada last season, but the expectation is that with the more experience and a greater role, he'll be fine. Yeah. McKinjo was good. Like he's proven it at this level. Like that he's a good point guard building block to have for next year's team. Now, hey, if Nico Mannion wants to come back for next season, I'd be fine with that. He's not coming back. No, I know. But <laughs> if he wanted to like this team, and you mentioned like Sean Miller's family not going without a point guard, and he always recruited point guards. He tried, but now he's getting them to come play for him. And Akinjo, if nothing else, it's a really good start for next year's roster. I mean, you already had Jordan Brown and some of the guys like you mentioned that are going to be back, we'd assume, anyway. But point guard, we've seen, it's such a, I mean, it's basketball. We all know how important a point guard is, but when they haven't had an elite one, they've struggled. Akinjo, I don't know what Level. I mean, he's like a number 90 rated recruit coming in when his recruiting class was a four star guy. He's good. He's an upper echelon point guard, and he'll be experienced. He'll know the offense. He'll know the system, and he'll be practicing against Nico Mannion every day, too. So you talk about how Mannion will be helped by having a Kinjo around. I think it'll work the other way as well. And it won't seem like next year's team could be could hit the ground running like early on, yeah. like you were saying. Like They're going to have their room to grow as well. But when you have that experience, not just veterans, because like Max Hazard came in, he's experienced. But he's still finding his way in this system. These guys will be experienced and in the system. Like, they'll know what to do right from the get-go. Yeah. And I don't think you can underestimate the importance of that. So it's exciting news, though. Like yeah. it's, it's a positive thing for Arizona basketball in a time where, well, I guess the last two weeks haven't gone great after the loss to St. John's. It's all been kind of negative. But just the momentum that this program we thought may have been gone, may have been lost, a couple of years ago with all this stuff. And even with that cloud potentially hanging over them, they're still just doing what they do, still bringing in talent, still competing for these top players. And I think that's, it's refreshing to know that because I don't know where your head was when it was all going down, but I'm like, Oh geez, is this the end of Arizona basketball? One, are they going to fire Miller or she, you know, what's going to happen there? And two, can Arizona ever recover from this? Well, it looks like the answer is at least to the last question. Yes. <laughs> like they yeah. recovered from it. And, this year's team is going to be interesting because it's one of the most talented we've seen in Tucson for a while, at least for a few years. And if they are a first-round exit or first-weekend exit in the NCAA tournament, people will look at them and be like, hey, at what point is it just, you know. But he's still bringing in talent. And then as long as you have good players, you'll always have a chance to go deep into March. And Akinjo, along with Terry coming in next season and whatever else they can add to that roster, it's shaping up to be a good team again. Yeah. Like the DeAndre in year... The last, this is the last part of my ramble here. The DeAndre Ayton year, once we saw the recruiting fall apart, it's like, oh, it's kind of like, this is it. You know, like the, they had Ayton, they had Trier, they had Alkins. It's like, if they don't make the run this year, we don't know what's going to happen the next season or beyond. Of course, the next season ended up being bad. There is that sense of, hey, they can make a deep run, but it's not a, a now or never type of thing. Right. We're starting to see them get back to that level of every year, it looks like they're going to have enough talent to, if not win the Pac-12, certainly make the tournament and be dangerous once they do. Yeah, I think the Aiton team had the weight of the 
storied history of Arizona basketball on their shoulders and the, the weight of the ESPN story on them and the now or never mentality. This year's team does not have that. I mean, maybe the fans feel that, like that angst and that, gosh, we just need to get over the hump. But, you know, the 18, 19-year-old kids, they're not, they're not feeling that weight. And if you would have told me, you know, I think, I, I think you would agree with me. If, if you looked at how we've, our, what our roster composition is and our record today, and I said 18 months ago, I would have said, oh, and, you know, January 1st, 2020, this is your roster, this is your record. You would have taken that oh, absolutely. a million times out of a million. Absolutely. <laughs> and that, and that, that's the fun thing. And, again, it, there is some Henry over Miller lately, which is understandable because he just hasn't, he hasn't gotten to the level that everybody wants him to be. And he was close a couple of times. He was a Wisconsin away, uh, Brandon Ashley foot away from probably doing it, and that changed <sighs> the entire narrative. But there are absolutely valid questions about Sean Miller and his coaching style. You know, how adaptable is he? How willing, how much of a play caller is he? Like a designer of plays when they need a final shot. Right now it's just Nico Mannion just throwing up whatever he can off the backboard and hoping it goes in. There are legitimate criticisms of Sean Miller. But he's still bringing in talent. And that's because these guys want to play for him. So he's doing something right to get a point guard who could go anywhere, an experienced point guard who played well as a freshman who could have gone to branch any college. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go play for Sean Miller at U of A. Jordan Brown, same thing. And these guys are committing with whatever cloud is hanging over the program and Miller. So he's doing something right. And yeah, you can, you could criticize his coaching at times and his decision-making. Absolutely. But he's still one of the showing to be one of the best coaches out there in terms of bringing in talent. And that's, more than half the battle when it comes to winning in college basketball. Yeah, I think the one thing you can't question with him is he is a true leader. Yeah. And I think that's that's the reason why players want to play for him. And he has he has a leadership style that's all his own, but I think that's at the core of that. Now you can quibble with some of the, you know, play calling. I think in a, in some ways I think he's incredibly analytical and technical, technically mm-hmm. accurate and putting things in the most statistically best position. But then something as simple as like, hey, let's get a let's do an in-game adjustment and get this guy going or kind of that feel of getting the offense going, you know, is where you can maybe criticize him a bit. We still should be a, we're still a good team. We're still we still haven't seen the best basketball they're going to play this year. No. But the important thing is they're a good team now when they're set up to continue to be a good team next season and then likely beyond. Brett, we're going to talk a little football because there is some news there. But before we do that, let's take one more break. All right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Brett. So the last time we talked, Arizona had not yet hired a defensive coordinator. I think about two days later, they did. Paul Rhodes. And it was like, oh, that's a name. Heard of him. He's been a head coach before. He was at UCLA. And the question was, well, first I was like, hey, that's all right. That's not a bad hire. But it's also... Why did it take so long? Did it cost you any recruits waiting as long as you did? But Paul Rhodes, the defensive coordinator for the University of Arizona, Kevin Sumlin, for all intents and purposes, probably did about as well as he could have with that. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's kind of, he's had a mixed track record to some extent. 
uh, historically. He's got a long coaching career. He's had some stints where, uh, you know, his units are, you know, I, I think he struggled a little bit at times as a head coach, but some of the times where he was defensive coordinator, had really good defenses. Um, has good experience coaching both linebackers and the secondary. You know, I think a, a fundamental flaw of the coaching staff staffs the last couple of years since Boone left was the lack of a true linebacker coach. Yeah. And even if Rhodes isn't, a, you know, a pure linebacker coach, I think he's a competent if that's a coach for that position, if that's what he chooses to do, you know, I think they're, they kind of said he was probably going to do that, but I think they're also like, you know, there's salaries to distribute and what name, what, who they can get at which positions and put yeah. themselves in the best chance to be successful overall, which is actually kind of a strength of him as a hire where he can, you know, credibly coach multiple, multiple positions, yeah. um, which makes it a lot easier to, f- to fill out that roster and not just be like, Oh, let's have, you know, Marcel Yates, who's really a secondary coach, coaching linebackers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think overall, I think it's a solid hire. I think it's one of those. I feel like his hire is kind of like a three-star raw O lineman commit <laughs> that you're like, it's not a big name, but like, there's potential there. Those, if you get, that's how you really build like a team. Like you know, I, as I get older, I become the old man thing where it's like you build a roster from the lines out, you know, and control the line of scrimmage. As opposed to when you're younger, it's like get the fast receivers and running backs and the quarterbacks that can, you know, throw the ball over the mountains. Yeah. But, um, you know, I feel like he's like a good fundamental football hire. And he seems like he's a pretty good recruiter based yeah. on, you know, his reputation. Already recruited well in the state of Arizona. Um, recru- you know, has produced some talent from, the, from guys he's recruited. Seems like a good schemer. Somebody that could develop players. Like kind of those things we talked about where you kind of need to have a little bit of all of those Maybe not an he's maybe not an ace recruiter, but he's a good recruiter. He's maybe not an incredible in-game tactician, but he's but he's but he's competent and he's yeah. good. Uh, you know, he's maybe not the greatest you know pure old school developer of talent, but I think he, that's maybe one of his bigger bigger strengths. And if they fire someone next season, you have your interim head coach. Yeah, I'm kidding. I mean, probably would be, but because he has experience. But no, I, I like the hire because. I don't know who would have wowed me. Like, I don't follow all the assistant coaches around college football. I'm like, oh, that's the guy they should target. <laughs> but even if you had your front runners, I know there, was the, there was the Cal coach. De, De Reuter. De Reuter, that he was rumored a little bit, and he seemed like he would have been a good hire, too. But when you're Kevin Sumlin and making this one with the backdrop of, hey, your AD may have wanted to fire you, you know, and now he's trying to reach out to him and say, hey, come join me in this staff, which basically, if you don't win this season, you're going to be out of a job next season. That's, got, that's not easy. And looking at what someone did getting Rhodes, who his track record is solid. He's a solid tech, you know, a solid football coach. And I've seen some videos, some of his Iowa State stuff. Like, he's like a guy that people would want to play for. It's about as well as you could hope for. And yeah. maybe, like, he is a pretty solid recruiter, which is good. But they need someone who can develop the talent and put them in the best position to succeed because it's not going to be a roster filled with four- and five-star guys. It's not now, not ever. But if you can coach them up and maximize what you do have, there is room for improvement just right there organically with what they have right now. Because we talked about defensively, there were some good players on that defense, and yet the defense, for the most part, was bad. They had flashes. They had halves. USC, uh, Washington, ASU even, they had a good half. You know, Really, they didn't play a bad game against ASU defensively. So there's some talent there. It just hasn't been utilized properly, and they need to have a little bit more, especially on the defensive line. But I don't know what people wanted out of this hire, but I don't see how anyone could be upset over it. 
I mean, people wanted Nick Saban to come be the defensive coordinator. <laughs> I, <laughs> like, if he was interested. And, and, and that's the thing. So it's like it's, it's Arizona football. Not only is it Arizona football, it's Arizona football coming off two bad seasons where the head coach is very much on the hot seat yeah. and may not make it out of the next one. So who's he going to bring in? What top coordinator is going to come or coach is going to come? Be like, that's, the, that's where I want to go. Now, granted, if Rhodes comes in and the defense improves and Arizona wins seven games next season, eight games next season, well, someone's going to stick around and everything's fine. And I think the potential is there to do that. Yeah. But in terms of a hire, it's not an inspiring hire, but I think it's a solid one. It's one that pushes, it, it moves Arizona in the right direction. I think it's, especially as you're putting in the context of Hiki kind of put someone behind the eight ball and trying to hire people when it's just, you know, not exactly quietly going around, passing the hat around for uh, yeah. buyout money. Uh, at least that's what's very much out there in the public sphere. But, you know, and you, I think you touched on another thing. We talked about being a recruiter, a tactician, a developer. But there's a fourth thing that I think, you know, and you kind of mentioned it too, is he has a strong reputation of guys like want to run through a brick wall for yeah. him. And especially on a defensive side, and especially where someone's a pretty low-key guy, you know, and that can come off complacency uh, as complacency sometimes. Which I think is unfair, but... Well, it's complacent when you're, when you're losing, losing yeah. and it's cool, calm, and collected when you're winning. Just like right? you're fiery when you're winning and exactly. you're out of control when you're losing. Yeah, Paging Mike Stoops. Yeah, and Rich Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, especially on defense, having that, that... Those four tenets, to me, that's like what you... That's how you have a low-key, really solid hire. Yeah, and I think he checks all those boxes, and you're—he's and he's still a fairly known quantity. You're not necessarily gambling on like you know some 27-year-old guy that's some hotshot that's just gonna also probably gonna try to leave for the first, you know, you're, you're, it's a lotto ticket you'd hope to get for a year or two. Yeah. And then, let's be real. If Arizona gets that guy, he's gonna be gone. And well, think of Mike <laughs> Stoops' staff. You had Sonny Dykes, who's a head coach. His brother Mark Stoops is the head coach at Kentucky. They're pretty good. But when you have Latrell, those, yeah, Latrell, yeah. When you have those guys, like obviously you want good coaches. You want just like you want players who are gonna leave early for the pros because that means they're good. Yeah. But when you're trying to build something, Rhodes probably isn't up for a head coaching job anytime soon. Now, granted, if he turns his defense into Desert Swarm, then well, shoot, Arizona should make him the head coach. <laughs> but it's just it's about as good a hire I think you could expect and like I said it checks all those boxes at least enough of them to be like you know what Arizona's a better football team with him as defensive coordinator than they were with uh, Marcel Yates yeah. and the players liked Marcel Yates they campaigned to make him the head coach but just because they like him doesn't mean they're going to play hard for him doesn't mean he's putting them in the best position to succeed like I'm not a tactician I'm not a game planner so I don't know what they were doing I do remember earlier this season when they uh, put Pandy out they're like yeah we just put our best linebackers I was like Wow, what a concept. You put your best players on the field. You devised a defense that did that. Great. Like, so there, there are things to question. And there were times last season where the defense was good, and there were times where it was just an absolute sieve. But Paul Rhodes seems like a good hire. It yeah. seems like a quality coach, a solid recruiter, and someone who will make this coaching staff better. And unless they pull in all these other whatever five and four stars are yet to sign, they're going to need to coach up what they have. And part of that's just putting them in the best positions to succeed. And it seems so obvious, and people say that, but if you have talent, put it where it can be at its best. And Rhodes, he doesn't really have a scheme. I remember his press conference, he's like, he doesn't really run like a 4-3 or a 3-4, just kind of adapts it to the personnel. I'm like, I'm fine with that. Take stock of what you have on the roster and do the best you can with it. And I have to think that it'll be a little bit better than what Marcel Yates was able to do. Yeah. My, my one ask for Rhodes, tactically, if it's third and four, 
don't have your corners playing 12 yards off the receivers. <laughs> I never want to see that again the rest of my life. <laughs> Maybe not too many, like, three-man rushes that uh, people yeah. don't like. Even when they rushed for and blitz, they still weren't getting home, but that's, you know. I want, I want to not travel to Pullman and be down 50 points at halftime and sitting in 20-degree weather. But so <laughs> Anyway, Arizona football and Arizona basketball, the last couple of weeks, there was some good news. And that's where we're at right now. Arizona basketball plays ASU on Saturday. We're recording this on Wednesdays. And then there's going to be some more assistant coaches hired. We don't know who they are yet, but to fill out the defensive staff. Hopefully they're good recruiters and good tacticians because that's what I think this team needs more than anything. Yeah, Coach up what you have. It's been done before. I mean, Jason Harris is going to supposedly announce commitment, but until there's a signature, then even if he commits to Colorado, which seems to be the buzz, I don't think it's over. No, I don't necessarily think he comes to Arizona, but I don't. I think he's trying to give Arizona <laughs> like, every opportunity. To what is a commitment really in college football? <laughs> for for players or coaches, there's yeah. not really. <laughs> it's a two way street. So anyway, the next time we record, there'll be more basketball to talk about. Probably yeah. some new football coaches. Uh, until then, though, thank you for listening and bear down. Bear down. <laughs>